Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I am your host, Josh Turner, and with me are my co-hosts, Anthony and Mushu. Yeah, I saw you getting ready to try to... I was waiting because you're usually so quick to jump in. I thought you were just going to do it. So yeah, I, I mean, did. You did, and yeah. now you just yeah, hasn't real really quick. worked the past few episodes. Yeah, he hasn't been able to. But I am Mushu, not just this quick Mushu. Oh my god, throwing out there. Yeah, I'm okay. a very How about you just shoe? made that up off the top of your head. <laughs> There's no correct pronunciation. You're just shoe. You're just. You know, you're like pinging, and what's the other there one? There is a correct pronunciation. Donkey Tron. You know. You're just, yeah, you're just your shoe. So, folks, we got we got a, a show for you tonight, um, and it's gonna be it, it's gonna be pretty interesting. It, there there are stories upon stories of this stuff. So we had to sift through and kind of find some of the the really juicy ones. Uh, and so before we do that, though, Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. That's the coordinates to get a hold of us. Send us your stories. The, the the one thing I want to tell you: if you join the Patreon. That is the way to go because if you join the Patreon, ten dollar tier all the way up to fifty, you get varying levels of uh, swag back. Forty dollars, you get one of the, the autograph books. Fifty dollars, you get both, and you get like shirts, hats, uh, stickers, all kinds of things. So, ten dollar tier, a couple months in, you can get uh, a swag bag. Twenty dollar tier, it's automatic, but it's a smaller swag bag than thirty. Then thirty goes up, and then forty goes up again. Then fifty just goes on and on. No matter what, though, you'll get an autograph book from one of many different authors. Uh, you'll get mine, though, if you do the 40 or $50 tier. And with fall here, we are working on our new line. Should be up and running by the middle of the middle of the month here. Um, maybe even as we speak, we're, we're waiting on the designs to come in for the... For the zip-up hoodies. Zip-up hoodies. There we go, zip-up hoodies. So, folks, the hoodies and the zip-up hoodies will be uh, coming to the store. Go check them out. Go buy yourself something nice. Go to our store and buy yourself a hoodie or a zip-up hoodie. So, that being said, uh, we do have a Facebook group. It's uh, it's a Paranormal Roundtable Facebook group. Go join it. There's all kinds of interesting stories that just get put in there every day. And I do lurk around in the groups and different types of groups and and. Everything from the Anunnaki to the Bigfoot groups. I'm in ghost groups. I'm in water cryptid groups, UFO groups, water cryptids. You name it. I'm in all of them. I'm in all of them groups in there just doing what I do, talking to people and getting stories, which I got one of these stories tonight. Uh, but sometimes people tell me stories straight, straight up. Just tell me right to my face that this happened. And this is one of them that I'm going to tell tonight. Uh, I Got another one that it was basically us talking about what happened in Kima with the the, the uh, mermaid. Well, what that that was no, that was a Filipino story. But we started off talking about the thing in Kima, which was the. And if if you're not know what we're talking about, it's because you're not watching the lives live stream. We talked about this creature that was like a reptilian, and then of course we talked uh, after that to uh, to a person from the Philippines. So I think it was last Sunday. As of this recording, it would have been the Sunday before last, a live stream. And we talked on the show about this creature, you know, that uh, this person saw that was like a mermaid off the coast of the Philippines in, in the southern Philippines. So I got somebody, he messaged me and said that he was from the Philippines and his ex, get this, his ex-wife's mother, uh, he's still friends with her parents, but he's not friends with her. So he's still friends with her stepdad and, and and her mother. So that that's that's pretty cool that he's still friends. And apparently they don't talk to her either. <laughs> so <laughs> they're all uh, like, uh, yeah. Well, he says he stole his cars. I'm like, you know, and they don't live in the Philippines anymore. But when when this uh, mother, the 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 ex, the former mother in law, uh, they were living in a place uh, called uh, Dang Kagan. That's what it's called. Um, and it's it was. I was looking at the map and I was completely in two different areas because there were two different stories. And I was going like, why is this not coming up? This is a totally different story. And they were, there was a place there, just north of there where there are these caves. They have this cave system. And so we're going to get into that. But first, don't forget, Josh Turner 940 on Instagram. Um, What am I going to say? And if you're going to send me a friend request, it's it may take a while because we were under cyber attack for a, a good while. We have been. So we have had to put a halt or slow down on 
the way Exce- you accept. Yeah, accepting yeah. your friend's request. So if, but if you if you can prove to me that you're a real person and not somebody from this other group that's been going crazy on everybody, then I can approve you uh, and we can be friends. Uh, I wish it was, you know, nothing will probably ever be the same after all this because, you know, now we don't know who to trust on Facebook or YouTube when somebody can sit there and make a hundred profiles. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But anyway, that being said, uh, Tony, what is your coordinates for your, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at, uh, PRT Mushu. You can also email me at Mushu PRT at gmail.com. You can find me anywhere those. And Anthony, you don't have any desire to be friends with anyone, do you? No. No. He hates everyone. Leave me alone. That's pretty sad. That's really pathetic that you're that disgusting and mean to people. Well, I usually get a lot of stories. Or not I'm stories. A hermit. I guess send a lot of DMs where they're like, you know, I wanted to talk to Anthony, but as soon as I did, he told me to run away or leave. And I was like, that sounds like Anthony. If you want to capture him, you first have to find a box and just stuff it full of food. Doesn't even have to be good food. <laughs> Just stuff it full of food. Just wrap it like a rabbit. He'll jump into <laughs> it. Just pull it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No questions asked. No just, questions asked. Yeah. I mean, it's free. It's free food. I mean, I'll endure, you know, having to engage another human being for some free food. It's a small Jeez. price to pay. But then <laughs> I'll run away and go back to my cave and, then, and continue being a hermit. And then the way to get, get Tony is to have the box empty with no food in sight. Yeah. It's the complete opposite. Just just put like an Xbox controller in there, give the illusion that there's that. a video game no somewhere. Food. As like big as I am, I am not the biggest eater in the house. No, it's no, true. I am. No. You by are by far. far. And Scorpion Dude, probably I'm starving right Scorpion. now. I want, I want to go home yeah. and, uh, after this and destroy that pizza we got. I think Anthony, then Scorp, then me. Yeah. And then probably uh, D, and then Nelly, and then you. Yeah. I think the Tony. So you're the least eater. I'm the I'm in the middle actually. I think I'm banjo, much... and then baby, and then some of the other dogs. <laughs> I eat bird. more than you too. <laughs> oh, then me, maybe. <laughs> no, the birds eat more than him. Uh, the birds eat a lot. Bird eat a lot. The bird eats so. I was say they much. eat their weight. Like I, I go over there, they're like <laughs> chirping at me, and I look in their little deal, and it's all shell. Yeah, they, 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 they've eaten they all the. They devour it. Yeah. yeah, they they eat it. Leo and uh, and Kiwi are they get after it, boy. <laughs> I saw Anthony carrying them down the stairs the other day, and they were just like looking all uppity. They looked at me like, think you won the war. I'm like, get out of my way. I'm like, okay, whatever. I feel like Odin when I walk with them. Two birds on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. They looked at me like they were generals that had just defeated my country or something, you know? But anyway, so here, here's what we got going. The first story we're going to tell is, is an encounter that we got from, this guy was like 80 years old. And, uh, Really nice guy, still moving around, still doing well. And I was standing there with uh, with D and Anthony, and we were at the uh, Thorndale Meat Market, and we had met the guy inside, and we were kind of talking. And he heard me and Trey Felton talking about Bigfoot and stuff. And Trey's the guy that catered our our uh, conference. conference both times. Yeah, so we we ended up going outside with names James, nice guy, and uh, he was telling us about this. Bigfoot encounter he had, and he said, "Well, I, don't, I really don't know what it was, but uh, you know, and and but putting it on the timeline, it was he had an encounter. So I'll tell both. He had an encounter when he was a kid. He was twelve years old. He was fishing down near the San Gabriel River, and he had something throwing rocks into the water right around dusk. Now, my grandparents had told me something similar like that had happened to them. My grandmother swears it couldn't have been a per- person." Because they were throwing boulders, like big boulders into the water. And that's a tactic that they'll use to try to drive you away. And so he said when he was 12 years old, he looked up and on the side of this bridge, which is it's not there anymore. It's an old rickety uh, wooden bridge. And he was a child. And he said that, you know, he looked up and he saw this thing that looked like a Bigfoot. You know, I mean, he's like, it was just, it was black with grayish tint on its fur and its face looked ape-like but not really ape-like and the way he described it it had like a short muzzle and it wasn't really tall it was only about seven foot tall which we know bigfoot can get a lot bigger than that and it had really big massive shoulders but it wasn't as tall as like some of these bigfoot reports you get definitely was a male and what he was telling us though that that encounter was very short he was with his friend and uh, him and him and his friend, they were sitting there and they were fishing. 
and they they don't know what it was and you know just it just looked like something and his friend had a gun with him now it wasn't a big gun it was a 22 it ain't gonna do much but his friends foolishly grabbed it and pointed it at him at least at the time he thought it was foolish but this thing knew what a gun was because it took off so it took off into the brush and of course they took off and they hightailed it the opposite direction and i asked him i was like did it pursue you or anything he's like no i didn't pursue me there was nothing like that he goes i just i got away we got away from it we we ran like literally two miles straight back to his uh uncle's farm where they were you know close to where they were at middle of the summer you know and uh it was years ago when he was a young uh kid you know so i, I don't know when you take a story like that just you know you think and it, i think he said it was like the late late the late 40s or something like that you know, his memory, like he said, his memory was a little bit off, but what he remembers that it did, that it didn't have a snout like, a, but it had a snout, but it wasn't very pronounced. So I don't know if you guys remember the besieged by Bigfoot episode. I believe that one, about the McCullough family. Yeah. Those had some really bit weird Bigfoot too. Yeah. They were weird looking. I think this thing and that is that same area. I talked to Trey Felton about that too. They're just, I think the ones that were in that area, which we don't hardly get any reports over there anymore, they're all on the other side of the San Gabriel, and then from there all the way to the Brushy Creek. So I, I don't really get many reports in that area like we used to. Now, you get some Dogman reports. I wonder if Dogman moved in and they moved out. I don't know. But when you listen to that story, you know, taken by itself, that's pretty. that's a pretty interesting story. He goes, well, I got another one for you. He's like, and this one was about my granddad. And we were standing there, and, uh, you know, it was pretty warm. It was like, I think, uh, middle of summer, it was past summer, when he told us this. And so I'm standing there, and I'm kind of like, you know, we were standing outside. So I said, can we go back inside so we can talk? So we just kind of moved back inside. Nellie was sitting in the vehicle just looking at her phone, you know, not even blissfully aware that I was being inundated with horrific Bigfoot stories like she cared. She didn't care about my psyche. She doesn't care about what happens to me after I read these horrific stories. No, but uh definitely. She yeah. doesn't. She did. <laughs> she's like she's like, Oh yeah, you were oh yeah, you're scared. Okay, well anyway, oh, I'm you're hungry. traumatized? Oh no. I'm hungry and you're oh. worried about yourself, like always. Anyways. Yeah, anyways. Into ways. So so we're sitting there and and, and so we all kind of went into the in, inside. We're standing there. And uh my brother was standing with us with, with Anthony and me, and, and the guy was telling us a story. Uh, it was very interesting. His his grandfather used to drive a grain truck, and he drove one until he was really old. I mean, he he was like he, he didn't retire until he was in his seventies. I don't say that's really old, but I mean that's old to be driving one of them old grain trucks, mm -hmm. you know, for miles. And so he said that you know his his grandfather was like in his seventies or something when he was a kid, right around time. I believe he said that he saw that that creature maybe about. Uh, I think he said he was like a toddler or something when he first that first happened because he remembers talking to his granddad about it. So his granddad was driving, and uh, he was taking a shipment of grain, and that's right there where that where the silo right there is. What is it across? Where is it? Like right right around the. I think it's like a catty corner to Thorndale Meat Market, wasn't it? That that silo. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not really catty corner. It it's like a, across the street and maybe like. Eighth of a mile down. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was closer than that, but I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. No, well, because it's like wrong, you right? uh, you have to go okay, far. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Mooshu from Thorndale Meat Market. You have to go down to that store. Okay, yeah, you're and right. And then it's across the street and, from and the then store. That road, I think, what he's talking about. I lost a puppy there one time years ago. She jumped out the back of an El Camino. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. My grandpa wouldn't let me have it in the front. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm completely wrong about that. I put it in the back of the El Camino. My grandfather told me to put it in the front. I don't know why I put her back there, but anyway, sad. Um, sorry, Grandpa, I didn't mean to lie on you. I'm the dummy that didn't listen to you. Uh, but you know, when you're eight years old, you know everything, mm -hmm. right? You know, so so I'm over here, and we're we're driving, uh, in in that that spot. I know where that's at. There's like a low water crossing there, which I think they fixed it a little bit. But back then, you know, it, it had rained pretty heavily, 
And when he was coming down to that spot, he thought that the water was had receded more than it had. And this is a really weird story. He said his grandpa couldn't, the brakes were bad on that truck and he couldn't slow him, slow him up. And he said that he, he, you know, they were grinding, you know, and that old grain truck just drove right into the water, dude. And, and he got stuck. He kind of went off the side and got stuck halfway into the mud. It wasn't a threat to him. The, the water wasn't like moving real fast or anything. So he got out and was like, crap, you know, I'm stuck here. So he got out to kind of wade through the water. And uh, when he did, he heard something sloshing around. And one of the weirdest stories you'll ever hear about Bigfoot, he saw this creature just kind of walking through the water, wading out. And then it looked at him, looked around and kind of observed that there was no one around but him and this Bigfoot creature. And he had closed his door. And unfortunately, he walked over to the door and he felt it and it was locked. So immediately he began to try to walk through the water and, and up this muddy embankment try to get around the other side of the truck. And when he did, this Bigfoot moved really quickly and, and it kind of ran around from that from that point where it was at very quickly and had cut, gone to the other side of the truck. So there they are staring at each other from across the truck. And he's like, now I'm stuck. If I go to the right, this thing's got me. If I go to the left, this thing's got me. And this thing did the weirdest thing, one of the weirdest things you could imagine but we've heard, I've heard this before. I know you guys have. Uh, it started to talk to him. Not moving its mouth, but this mind speak thing that they do. This telepathy. And it said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. Just come on to this side over here and I'll let you get in your vehicle. Like it told him that. And he was like, it spoke to him like that. It called it a vehicle. And I asked James, I said, did it? say the word vehicle? And he said, yes. He said, my granddad said, absolutely. This thing was speaking to him. And he said that the eyes were like normal color, like, 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 like the blue color of a man's eyes. But he said that as this thing got more angry, you know, as this ordeal went on with it trying to negotiate with him to come, come get in the truck and he wasn't going to hurt him, that the eyes began to glow. So when he was sitting there talking, he says, my grandpa told me this. He says, man, these things, these things are not good things. These are not good, you know, creatures. They're, they're, they're evil. And he asked him why. And he said, well, that, you know, he said, you remember when you were uh, a kid? And because he told him after his experience he had with the, the rock or whatever, he had, him and his friend had said something to him about it. And his grandfather reiterated the story. But he had heard before from his dad and his uncle, but not in that entirety, you know, and his grandfather said, well, let me tell you what happened. The whole story, you know, you don't know the whole story. And he said, that thing was throwing a rock. It's probably throwing it at you. <laughs> Those things are not nice. So his grandfather had a very low opinion of these creatures. His grandfather had had an encounter once before, and I'll get to that one in a minute. But this one was the one that really stuck with me of the encounters he talked about. And he said that this thing would not let him get into his truck. When he went around to try to get into the truck, the thing to they like, like told him, you know, go ahead, I'll let you. But as soon as he went, like to kind of, when he started to kind of feel trusting enough to do it, he kind of snapped out of it and was like, what am I doing? This thing is a, it's a beast. It's a monster. It's got fangs. Yeah, he's being know? lured to his death. Yeah, he's being lured. And he said that the thing was just telling him, come on, man, it's cool. I'm not going to hurt you. Come on, you know? Yeah, whatever. Not necessarily cool. Saying, yeah. Come on. <laughs> and so he was just like, he kind of snapped out of it. And then when he stopped, the, this creature begot, became angry and started telling him, he's like, why are you afraid? I'm not going to hurt you. I want to be your friend. And he was like, okay, what were you doing over here? You know? And he's like. Well, I was fishing. I was looking for some fish that had gotten trapped from the flood, you know? And he goes, okay, so now you're messing with me instead of messing with the fish. Why don't you just go back to looking for the fish? At that point, he said that this creature became kind of, you know, kind of smart mouth, kind of snarky. And he says, well, you're right here and you're a lot easier. That tells you right there exactly what his intentions are. And he says, okay, I knew it. And then the thing said, look, I'm getting, I'm getting aggravated. We can do this the hard way, the easy way. And he said, it told his grandpa, he's like, I'm, I'm going to come over to the top of this truck and I'm going to tear you limb from limb if you don't just come over here to me. And he's like, what do you want from me? What do you want to do to me? And he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. Just come over here. And he's like, I don't believe you. 
you just said that I'm here and I'm a lot easier. And he says, yeah, okay, you figured it out. So right then, this thing just decided to make a quick bolt towards him as they were both kind of closer to the back of the truck. He looks up and he sees a car coming. And then this thing started kind of looking toward the car and kind of stopped and kind of moved itself around the back of the truck, kind of like it was hiding from the car. So this guy, James's grandfather, ran and got down into the water and then ran, you know, down the embankment and then kind of ran up the other side of the truck and he opened the door and right then this thing decided to bolt over there to where he was at. He jumped in the truck because well, this thing was distracted by the, that vehicle coming. When he got in the truck this and, and was able to lock the door, of course, he's trapped, but he had a gun, a pistol, a revolver in the uh, glove compartment. So he thought, man, maybe I can try to shoot this thing and, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to unload on it and see what happens. Well, when this thing came up to the window, it smacked the window like like just once, cracked it, and then twice busted it out real quick by just slapping it. And he said that it, it began to reach in and grab his leg as he was stretched out trying to grab the gun out of the glove compartment, and he started kicking at it. It was definitely a flesh and blood creature. He was kicking at it. Um, at least it was appearing to be flesh and blood. And then he said that that vehicle, he saw that vehicle drive up and then seize the creature, and that creature got kind of... Uh, preoccupied with it for a second. He says, he takes the gun. He says, dang near deaf, you know, for years from it, fired two shots right into it in his chest and shoulder. The thing kind of let out a howl and then kind of got down to, you know, out of range below the window and then kind of ran, not on all fours, but kind of like just kind of slid the way he said it was kind of sliding side to side, kind of ape-like, but still kind of like a man. And then it went into the water and ran toward that car. And as that car was backing up, trying to get away, he, he looks up and he, he sees another truck like his coming down the road because they were spaced out, you know, like, you know, whatever. Now, I guess that, that they, they, they would leave like every, there was there, they were leaving like every hour to hour and a half. So he didn't realize he'd been there messing with this creature for that long. So he was just like, oh my gosh, you know, so he jumps out of the truck and he looks and he sees that, that creature going crazy chasing that car. He runs up the hill as fast as he can and uh, waves the guy down and says, I got to get in the truck. And the guy that picked him up, his name was Carl. He got in the truck and he told Carl, he said, man, you got to take me out of here. Look at this thing. He says, he looks down there and he sees that creature, ch it's chasing, on, like at this point, it's on all fours and it's chasing that car up the hill as that car is trying to get away. So he said he waited and he, he didn't know who that was in that car, uh, but he never heard, you know, hide nor hair of who it was that it, that it was chasing. Never got any story to confirm that that even, you know, that it happened. And he said he thought it was odd. You know, he goes, I had to have, you know, it was a county road. He goes, I had to have probably known people that lived in that area or who that might have been, but they never came forward. So kind of a mystery there too. Well, here's the thing that was weird. After they drove away from this scene and they got back out into the, the main town, you know, they were in shock and his friend saw this creature too. And his friend convinced himself that it was a bear. And he was like, that was no bear. And it wasn't no gorilla. He said, in fact, it looked more kind of like, he said, if you took a, and this is what he said. He said it was kind of wolf-like, kind of ape-like, and then kind of human but he said, but also he goes, it didn't look like any kind of gorilla or ape or anything you've ever seen. And it didn't look like a werewolf. And because I asked him that for sure. And he said, but it, it moved kind of like a man and it had kind of a protruding brow ridge, you know, he goes, but it wasn't even like a caveman. He's like, it was weird. He goes, like, it was something I'd never seen before. And the way he described it was that same color, like that black with gray on it. But he said that it could have had like chalk dust or something on it, uh, at least the upper body, because the upper body looked all, the lower body looked all black, which told him that maybe the water had washed off ash or dust. Because I mentioned that to him, you know, I said, hey, you know, the, the ones that we've heard about in this area, they, they're known to have thrown ash on themselves, you know, in that area where he was at. He didn't know what to make of it. He didn't know what it was. He said that it was some, some type of... Uh, just like a Bigfoot type creature is all he could describe. The best he could describe was he saw Bigfoot, you know? Um, so then he, this thing, you know, don't know where it went. His grandfather never saw it again, but his grandfather had an encounter when he was a really young man 
He said when he was like 19 years old, uh, he was working out in the field and he had a very odd encounter with something that he thinks was a Bigfoot. And he said that when he was uh, helping plow uh, his his field, his uh, father's field, and this was like they were poor. They didn't have a tractor. It was like plowing with a mule and a harness. You had to walk it and hold it steady. Very hard, backbreaking work. And as they were doing the plowing, there's this creature on the uh, at the tree line, and he says it looked like it was laying down flat. And when the sun hit it. As the sun moved, he said, you know, in the sky, it moved to a certain angle where he saw it. And he said that he looked and he was like, what am I looking at? You know? And he said it was so weird. It was like, he didn't know what, you know, like, like what it was exactly that he was looking at. This thing stand, like sits up and it moves. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's a living creature. You know, he goes, it's not just like some kind of pile of wood or something, you know, because he thought he was looking at fallen tree branches that just were making it like look like a person or something. But he said it wasn't no hairy man. It wasn't an ape. It was very similar to what he saw, but at a distance. And that day, what he saw was brownish looking. Um, same thing though. The face was kind of similar, but he said he couldn't see real good because his grandfather couldn't see like real far away. He was nearsighted. And so he just said, he just kind of squinted trying to make it out what it was. And it just was like a hairy creature just walked into the woods. So that something he saw years before he ended up driving that truck, uh, which made him, you know, wonder like, you know, was there a population of these things around what they are or where, or where they come from? I have no idea, but uh, definitely they were stalking around that area at one time. Now, if you go back to the episode, I think it was the Besieged by Bigfoot episode. Where we talked about the McCullough family. I'm not real sure if that's it or not. I'm trying to remember. But, uh, I'm pretty sure that one is. Is that what that, what that one was? And so, but yeah, that, that, that right there, that story was odd to me. Um, and you do get some weird stories out of that area. I mean, I don't know. Um, to throw another one in there, you know, that, that doesn't involve mind speak, but the, uh, there was a friend of mine years ago, his dad claimed that he just sent, and his dad just sent me this one like maybe two weeks ago as of this recording. And he said that uh, he, his, he's like, I heard you have a, a paranormal podcast. He goes, and Dennis told me that you had a, a show, whatever. I said, okay, this is a friend of mine I've known for years. Um, and his dad said, well, I'm going to send you my story one day. Uh, that that was about three or four months ago, back in the early summer. And then, then just a couple of weeks ago, he sent it to me. And he's like, I don't know if you can use it, but here's my story. And he just emailed it to me. And what he said was when he was a kid, he was fishing at a tank. You know, we call them tanks here in Texas, but they're ponds. Yeah, you know, little man-made ponds. ponds. Yeah. And it was out there on the other side of Milano, which is a uh, right outside of Rockdale, which is off 79. And uh, so he, he was out there and he was fishing. And this creature walked up and he said it was skinny. And it was only about five foot tall, like maybe five, five, something like that. And he said that it looked looked not not like a uh, a grown up. It looked more like a juvenile, you know, like he would think of, you know. And it had kind of rangy look about it, but it had an ugly, mean look on its face. And it let out a howl, like a like a screeching howl, and it ran toward him. And he goes, and I'm sitting out there with my little brother Brian, and we're we're fishing. And he goes, and dude, I just, I just got up and we just, I grabbed my little brother and we just took off running. Of course, my little brother falls because he was clumsy and uncoordinated. And so he picks up his little brother like as best he can by the arm and then just puts him on his back and runs back into the farmhouse. Well, they ended up getting to the uh, barn because it was closer. So they ran and they hid in there and this thing goes in there and they had a mule in there. Now, this is interesting. He said that this thing walked into the barn, was sniffing the air. The way he described it, he said it was like if you take a really ugly... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ugly man 
who looked like he was not too intelligent. I don't want to say the words, but like something. You figured it out. Yeah. And he said that like somebody that looked very not smart, let's put it that way. And he said that it was just like, it kind of had its mouth open. He goes, and it was like, <gasps> kind of breathing. And I'm doing, you know, my own version of the way he wrote. It was like, uh, like it was making this noise, right? But I can imagine that it was breathing. He said it was almost like it had asthma. And he said that, but the thing looked so weird. Here's what's really, really weird. He said that when they were watching it walk, the feet, and he said, I never, never noticed this till years later. He said that I looked and I noticed the feet were like becoming like, like you could see them and then they would, they would, they would disappear. Then they would come back, but just on the feet up to the ankles. And he said, he said, but it might've been from the vantage point we were at, we were laying down looking at it, you know? And he, but he said that him and his brother both witnessed like the feet not looking solid, like cloaking maybe. I don't know. That's weird. That's a weird thing. But he said that this thing uh, went, went and walked right past where they were at and was sniffing the air. And he said that when it got right up to where the, the mule was, it started reaching in and kind of slapping at the mule and the mule was turning and trying to like get away from it. He said, and then he, he this thing started to open the gate to where the mule was, like it was interested in the mule. Well, that old mule, she just kicked him dead in his face, like as hard as it could. And it said that that thing <clears throat> sent him flying about 20 feet in the air. And he said, this creature looked like it was about 400 pounds. And he said that that thing just, and he said it had to have busted its face because he saw the head look like it was partially smushed in on the bottom right side of its jaw was just smushed in. And he goes, well, that thing was sitting there holding its face, rolling around in agony. Uh, th that old mule, he goes, he's like, we just got up. They, they called her old Biddy. <laughs> he said old Biddy. And we just got up and she just kind of sauntered out of the you know, my words, not his, but just kind of, it, it just kind of walked out slowly out into the, into the pasture. Like, oh, well, you know, like it didn't give a crap oh, about that dude. Yeah. And then they, they just ran up and grabbed her and, and, and walked with her toward the house. And then they had a dog who they literally called Redneck. That's funny because my dad had a friend whose dog's name was Redneck. And the dog was like fired up. And then there were, it had two uh, younger dogs that were actually its offspring. And they were jumping around in the pen trying to get loose. And as soon as they did, those dogs ran right over there. And that, that Bigfoot was running away from the barn and it chased it. Like for they chased him for like a good mile. They could just see it running off down the hill. Uh, never came back, never did anything, never tried anything else again. But they were pretty certain that this thing was going to try and hurt them. Um, because, well, actually, I didn't even tell you. It started off by throwing a rock. Like it threw a rock at them. And it just like landed right by them and then they did charge running at them um it wasn't real big though like it wasn't a real big creature about 400 pounds but i mean by bigfoot standards that ain't that big that's nothing dude. that's nothing dude so these things that one there so i just thought i'd throw that one in as a sideline to this one um now there's another one i was going to tell you so th so this next story folks it comes from a place called dank i'm trying to pronounce it correctly um, and it was given to me by somebody about the Philippines because I had talked about the Philippines. And like I said, this person gave me this story. If we ever talk about something, we all, it always seems like somebody hits me up and says, hey, I got a story from you from for you for that place, um, whatever. And so that's the beauty of having a podcast. Like if you were just wanting to be an author and you had a podcast, you could just write stuff for days. You don't have to hunt down stories like – they come to you. Yeah, because you, you talk about it and they and they come to us. I mean, it's it's very easy for us to get stories. Um, and don't be jelly. Don't be jelly. All these people jelly because we got the stories and people come to us. They don't think, why, why don't they come to me? Well, first of all, you look like, uh, you know, Smeagol. And then second of, <laughs> second of all, you don't tell the story correctly. Uh, so he here's what happened. This person had a cave system that, that that was just north of where they lived, and th and they promised me, they promised me that they could get at least three other people to tell us stories about these things that come out of these caves. They promised me that. He said, "I promise you, I can get you more." Okay, and so apparently the Philippines has over three thousand caves. Yeah, I, I was like blown away, but I didn't even know that. Like I knew the Philippines, you know, like like okay, like Anthony, Uncle Ralph, you know, he he was in the Philippines, was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And, but he, and he had never told me anything. He told me there was a lot of weird stuff there, but so anyway, this thing was like not a Bigfoot. 
but a winged demonic type entity, I guess you could say. Um, the, the, there's two stories I'm going to tell you. Uh, first story that this one was like when he was a kid, when he was like 14 or 15, he couldn't remember what exactly how old he was. And it would, they were running around playing him and his friends and this weird creature that looked, he, he called it a vampire. He just straight up called it a vampire, but he said it like swooped down and literally with it, with its weird skinny arms, uh, grabbed his his, his little brother's best friend wasn't his friend. He was very adamant that the kid was like, I didn't like the kid. He said, you know, we didn't get along. He was a crybaby. He's always tattletelling. And he said, you know, for a minute that I was just like, oh, well, just let him take him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, that's not very nice. You know, well, we I mean, come on, Edgar. That's not a very nice thing to do. You know, we all do that one friend. Yeah. And so, and so Edgar told me, he said, look, I was like, you know what? Let him take him. He's a little you know, turd, you know, get him out of my hair. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he just instinct kicked in and he was like, dude, we can't let this kid get taken. We'll all get spanking when we go home. <laughs> no, nah, so that was like the reasoning, but he did say that, but it was a joke. He's got a sense of humor, but so anyway, he, they started throwing rocks at this thing and one of them nailed it right in the chin and it kind of like lowered its head almost like it was temporarily stunned and then kind of dropped the child from about 12 feet up. Uh, he estimated, you know, and then it kind of just swooped down and then took off again and was gone. Uh, and then he said there was a cave system up there that where he had heard stories of people who had seen these creatures. He couldn't give it a real good description of it because he wasn't like directly under it. Like a couple of the other kids were when they began throwing the rocks, but he said that it, it did look like, kind of bat-like with a weird smushed-in face, but like weird, like there were like circles around the eyes and that the ears were kind of like really big and floppy on the top and the bottom. And that it was uh, like a light, light, light brown color, almost to where it was like in between like white and, and brown. And so then I asked him, I said, like beige? So I started sending him color, like, is it like this? Was it like that? And he's like, oh, that one. So we got a khaki kind of color out of it. Uh, so I'm just going to say it was like a khaki color. Um, although it may be, he said that's as close as he could get to what it looked like. Um, and then some of the kids that were there said the eyes looked pink. Uh, that's not what he saw. But uh, it had talons for feet, like feet with like what looked like bird talons on them. Very weird looking creature. But he says that there are people who've seen these things. Now, that happened to him when he was when he was young, but when he was 22, he was on a date with a girl and they went for a hike. Now, the area where they went was kind of jungle, whatever. They went off to this path and they were going to go check out a cave. In the middle of the path was this creature that was down on, on its like haunches and it was eating something. And when they got closer, it was eating like what looked like a pig, like maybe a domesticated pig that it had taken from one of the farms close by. And so they stopped and they were stunned. And when, when it looked up at them, it was holding like a piece of meat in its hand and it stood up and it stuck the meat out toward them and was like, do you want some? And he was stunned that it could speak. And, but it was weird. He said, now this wasn't no mind speak. Now this wasn't mind speaking. This wasn't telepathy and all like that. He said, this thing offered it to him with, and he spoke with its mouth. And I said, I asked him the question in his language and I said, how did it know what what the, what language to speak? Like, you know, how did it know that? How did it know exactly how to talk, whatever? He said it didn't do a very good job. It didn't pronunciate well. He said it was really like it opened its mouth and then like words were coming out from inside of it. That's creepy. I was like, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. He goes, yeah. And it was just like talking in very broken, you know, Spanish because he spoke Spanish. He was like, dude, and the and the the girl that he was with, she could speak uh, Tagalog or what was it called? Tagalog. Tagalog, and, and she she was saying that you know, or is that how you pronounce it? I thought it was Tagalog. I just say Tagalog. Tagalog but that, it, but he mean, he pronounced it a certain way, and and I, I don't like you know mispronunciating yeah. people's words and stuff. And so, but we know what that is. It's a, it's a it's language, language of the Philippines. It's a language, yeah. yeah. But a lot of people speak Spanish. Like him, he can speak Spanish because he's actually from uh, up north near Panama, near uh, uh, the capital. What's it called? Uh, Manila. Manila. 
he was from there and he was dating this girl and they met on, they met, you know, when they were young, when they were on like uh, some kind of boat or something and they, they were, they became friends on like a field trip or something and they were from two different schools and then they got together and next thing you know, they're writing letters and stuff. And so anyways, long story short, they ended up getting together and ultimately got married and now he's divorced. <laughs> kind of a sad story, but anyways, what happened was he, they see this creature standing in the middle of the path and the fur on this creature was weird. He said that it was like, almost like it was, it would have been like white, like an, like the white fur of like a creature. But if the, if the, if the fur was kind of dingy, kind of dirty looking and it had turned kind of a yellowish brown, like maybe because like, you know, it would have been white or something, but it wasn't. And, uh, so that, that was weird. That was interesting. So I, th I thought, you know, is it albino? But he said, no, the eyes were black and it didn't have any sort of like albino features, like pink eyes or anything like that. And the hands had no fur. The feet had no fur. But here's what's really weird, dude, that he goes, the feet look distinctly different from the hands in the way that the feet, you know, you know how I have gorillas? How they have like sometimes their 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 feet look kind of like hands. Yeah. yeah. He said it had that kind of feet, but the th where the thumb would have been sticking out, where it was like you know like instead of like it having hands for feet, it looked like a cross between a hand and a foot on the foot. But the 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 hands were skinny and long, and almost like decrepit looking compared to like a human's or an ape's. And he said this thing had a snout, a short snout. With big, big teeth, and and it let out a roar, and it scared the crap out of him and his girlfriend. And he said they were standing there, and they didn't know what to do. They were just stunned, and there was they didn't. And this thing was like opened its mouth and spoke again, and it says "eat," and they didn't want to. They were like, "No, thank you." So they just dropped the meat on the ground and stepped over it and started walking toward them, and then they turned and just took off running. And then they look back and this thing is like actually jumping from tree to tree. And then it outpaced them and it got in front of them and they, they could literally see their vehicle. They weren't that far away. And then they heard this loud shrieking howl coming from the cave where they were actually headed to go explore, which thank goodness they didn't. And they look back and they see like two or three of these things and that, that thing responded to them. And while it was basically uh, shrieking back and forth with those other creatures, they took off running past it. And they got to the vehicle, and next thing you know, this thing is coming out into the clearing kind of slowly, kind of apprehensively looking left to right from what he was saying. Uh, this creature was very, very mad, very angry, and it did something uh, that would scare the crap out of anybody. It lifted up the front end of their vehicle. Now, luckily, as a, a four-wheel drive, and he was able to pull out, and then he drove, and he smacked it. And the thing just kind of flipped and flew over and flew off the side of his uh, vehicle, his Jeep, and then he took off down the road, and they were gone. Now, he asked me if I had in, – in the, the, so in his life, he's seen two creatures. So I asked him, I said, have you ever seen anything other than these two creatures? He said, no, I've seen ghosts. But that's not what this episode's about. But one of the things that he saw as a ghost, he said that there was this – this, uh, house that they lived in and they had a creek right there and his his uh, brother and his brother's uh, best friend were sitting up one night and they were talking on the porch or whatever and they were making they were messing with fishing lures and he said that they they made like you know homemade fishing lures and so they were setting them up for the next day to go fishing and he said that his uncle was coming down the, the path you know they lived down the road and he was just walking and he said his uncle had a bottle of wine and this creature came out of nowhere and ran up on him, and it was uh, black, right? And this didn't happen to him. I mean, he didn't see this, but his uncle. Yeah, his uncle and them saw it, and, and his brother and his brother's best friend. And it ran up, and his uncle literally turned and smacked it <laughs> upside the head, breaking the bottle of wine and cutting its head. And the thing kind of turned and veered and kind of like moved sideways and then ran back out into the, into the jungle. And then his uncle ran up and was like, what the hell was that? And they were all freaked out and everybody ran inside and were freaking out, running around. Um, and he just remembers that as a kid, like that, you know, 
that particular story. And then in that same house, he saw the, the ghost of what he thought was an older elderly woman twice. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And both times it came from outside and walked through the wall. So he, I told him, I said, you may be an experiencer. Having seen two ghosts and two different weird-looking humanoid creatures, um, I think he might be, you know. But, of course, he didn't see the other Bigfoot thing that attacked his. Um, and, and the story was that that those things were coming out of the caves. Like, they were cave systems, and that's why these things were around. And they were told not to go near the caves. But he didn't see the Bigfoot-type creature when he was a kid. And all he saw were the two ghosts. And he did see that, that uh, vampire-looking thing. Um, but you know, he's with this girl and she wanted to go into the cave. So he was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, you know, something happened. Games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> yeah. They ended up not going into the cave, which I mean, you know, for, thankfully, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, the caves, I looked it up a little bit. The Filipino caves, like they span like 7,000 kilometers wide. Uh, oh my some gosh. of them do. And I think their biggest cave is like the third naturally biggest cave in like the entire world. Oh my god! And like the second biggest in Asia. I know that. So it's it's, it's crazy to imagine even getting lost in that, and imagine all the things that could be in there. Well, I mean, what he was telling me, what Edgar was telling me, is that the people and they they go missing all the time, mm-hmm. and it's, it's always around these cave systems, you know. And there's people that they don't even go near the caves, but they go missing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. So you got to wonder. These things are coming out of these cave systems. What are your thoughts? Excuse me, folks, for yawning, but what are your thoughts, Anthony? I think that it's not really a surprise that they come out of caves. I mean, for one, it's the perfect hiding spot because most people are are not going to just go explore a cave if they know what's good for them. And if they do, they're going to be somewhere where they're totally isolated and they can't call anyone for help. They're going to be completely and entirely out of their element and in the element of whatever creature or predator dwells within these caves. So, I mean, it's it's a win-win for for like a cryptid or a monster, any kind of animal that's, that's going to be not wanting to be seen by people, but eat them or eat other animals. Yeah, I mean, not but to But also mention. because there's so much more square footage beneath our feet than, than there is on the surface. Because if you think about it, on the surface, when we're talking about land... All of the square footage is just just the either like side. flat. Yeah, it's just topside. It's either flat or, or or it's mountainous or it's it's uh you know you know or you got hills. But underground, it's like three dimensional. You have multiple levels of uh, of like dwelling space. It just goes down and down and down, and it can it can go down up, down, left, and right is what I'm trying to say. Well, you saw the article I just posted the other day on my Facebook about how. Um, the the there's an entire ocean beneath the Earth's crust that's oh, like yeah. way bigger than than all the water we have on the top side. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean groundwater is is plentiful. Yeah. So, what were you were going to say something, Tony? Oh well, I mean, just a piggyback on Anthony's point is that you know another thing that you have to realize if you're going into these caves is that they're extremely dangerous, and you're not. Like you have to be extremely skilled. Then it's nearly recommended that you're extremely skilled because it's so dangerous underneath there. Just exploration, Bigfoot and cryptids and anything else aside, the caves themselves are so dangerous to be even be in. I mean, massive cave-ins, getting lost, just getting trapped. I mean, it happens all the time. So if I was a cryptid and I was going to hunt something, something that's already has like a high chance to die, that just literally walking into your house, why would you not grab that and why would you not like but we'll basically prioritize kind of that like you making use of that capitalize capitalize there you go that's what i was thinking of capitalize on that aspect of you know stupid i, I don't want to be rude but the stupid stupidity human. of people just yeah, yeah stupid, why would you yeah. not capitalize Let's go explore on this crap no, stupidity. Not, yeah. hurling your bodies into the void without any inclination as to who or what is out there <laughs> flash court yeah mean the merciless foolish earthlings 
And if these creatures are interdimensional and, and they come out of portals, like a lot of people have uh, purported to see, and if there are certain at atmospheric conditions that have to exist for us for these portals to manifest, and maybe those atmospheric conditions are, maybe they exist more underground inside these cave systems because you have a lot of cave systems where you have these giant deposits of like clear quartz crystals. Yeah. I mean, por portals are, are often reported by people near caves. Like I've, I've heard a lot of stories of people saying that there were caves and they saw a portal like open up, you know, right there by it. And, and it's like, you know. Yeah. Weird. There's got to be some kind of like electromagnetic energy that's inside these, these underground caverns that's plentiful down there, but not necessarily topside. It just makes a lot of sense for them to make use of these cave systems because we can't. I mean, plain and simple, humanity just, even though we can explore in them and we can pretty go pretty deep, their physiological makeup makes them or allow them to be able to go further and go to places that even we can't. So, I mean, one that's actually something I find really interesting is that even with humanity's innovations and in technology, you know, when you meet these creatures that are just such physical, such strong beings, such just freaks of nature, basically, um, that it kind of makes you wonder. It's like, wow, it's impressive to see what the physical makeup can do, even though you know, on our side, we're entirely technological and that even with some of our technology, it can't do anything to these guys. You know, for instance, we get plenty of instances of us shooting them with guns. That's probably one of our mainstream weapons that human humanity has today. Mm -hmm. And these things just completely block it off. Well, I was going to mention that in that first story. I didn't really, I should have clarified this and said that, that the, the bullets didn't really do anything. And when I asked uh, James about his grandfather's experience, the one outside of Thorndale, uh, he said that he doesn't remember the creature bleeding. He asked his grandpa like years later, you know, like a couple different times he had referred to it. And he remembers his grandfather telling him and three of his friends after a football game, his grandpa said the thing didn't bleed. So that's weird right there. I mean, yeah. what the heck is that? I mean, whatever their science is, whatever they consider their science, whether it's magical or whatever, they have such an understanding that it, it, it impresses me how it rivals some of the innovations we have today because I often will look around and I have to take myself back and realize like what... I'm walking around and seeing is absolutely astonishing. Everything that has happened in this point of humanity is astonishing. And it should be something that, you know, you should realize that, but then you still come up against these creatures who do their understanding of physical or magic or whatever it is that they do or spirit. They can negate some of our best, like some of our best, you know, it's kind of like this weird war where it's just, we do better and then all of a sudden they come back and they have something better and we constantly try to do better and then they come and do better. <clears> like which a one-upmanship, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just the <clears throat> history of humanity, I guess, but it's, it's crazy to see how it kind of reminds me of those, the Yuzong Vong, I believe, in Star Wars, how they're entirely organic and they use like organic material for their weapons and ships and everything like that and their entire technology is organic. It kind of makes me think of them in a weird way where it's like, our science is all robotic and their science, if it can be called science, is some kind of weird thing where they have an understanding of their body. Biologically. Yeah. It, it's yeah, just, and yeah. them dwelling in caves pretty much nullifies our technological advantage over them. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, sometimes the simplest answer is the best. If they know that we have an evolutionary or, or let's say just technological advantage over them, then, okay, if you dwell in a cave, well, guess what? You're not marching an army into a into a cavern system. You can't you know? nuke me because I'll be underground. Yeah, I mean, like we're, we we have no idea what is beneath our feet, and throughout the entirety of human history, it, it, it's never been. I mean, we haven't mapped it. We don't know what's down there because we but we cannot go. It's the last territory besides the ocean on this planet that cannot be invaded by humanity. It's very unsettling too. When, like my like well our well my friend. Our friend, when I was young, uh, younger, his name was Hunter, and one of the things that he did, when whenever his family was building a house, or what his, he did, I said, I'm tired here, folks. One of the things that happened to him 
And one of the things he said to me and my friend Keith was that he would hear noises when he was downstairs, especially over the, and we don't have basements here in Texas. Like, so like one part of the dining room when he was downstairs, he would hear noises like people were talking and he would put his ear to the ground. And uh, that happened to my friend Brian too, when he was out in, in, in the West Texas, same thing. They would hear like people talking and stuff moving where they couldn't make out the language, but they, and, and I pondered it many times. And in fact, y'all know Keith. Me and Keith were sitting there one night, you know, just hanging out on the weekend. You know, we partied together all the time. Well, as much as teenagers can, we weren't, we we tried to party, but, you know, most of the time it was just us drinking Dr. Pepper and playing video games. Sounds like so, a party to me. <laughs> yeah. And ordering pizza, you know, and talking about girls that didn't want to give us the time of day. But, uh, you know, it's crazy, man. We were sitting there, you know, talking one time and, he, and we that conversation came up and we were talking about, you know, our friend Hunter and that house that they had built and then how he had said to me one time that he heard something underneath him. I just remember him saying that one time and I just thought, man, that's so weird, dude. Like, it is weird to think about, like, what is under our feet? And I remember Barton Nunley saying one time that if you could see like if it was transparent, you could see down in there, dude. The stuff that you would see would terrify you. So you you go to sleep and you and you know and you think that you're safe in your house or your apartment or whatever. But remember, there's things down there below your feet mm-hmm. moving around, dude. And there's no telling what's. Well, down I mean, there. that's you have to look at it from the upside too. It's like, oh, we'll just get away from down below and start looking up. We're like, oh, we have to deal with aliens up there. We have flying humanoids <laughs> up there. So like, if we're just trapped in this weird land dwelling kind of area where yeah. we're from above and below like they're we're on hostile and that, that's what gets me is how do people how can people sit there and make fun of the woo and talk about how you know that when our world is so weird when the reality of it's so much weirder than we could it's, possibly know it's i think it's a couple thing i think it's one you know a lack of spirituality obviously you know when you don't have a basis and or if you don't have a belief in spirituality you're not willing to look into the weirder aspects of the world but also i think it's people being too arrogant in their own views so they get locked set into something that they believe and they're not willing to be open-minded and being wrong so and then you know i i I think that first one plays a bigger part you know than the latter but i think they both kind of go hand in hand and making these people foolishly deny and foolishly believe that they know what's going on in the world Mm. It's also a coping mechanism because if you have a fear of the unknown, which is ingrained in all of us, then if you deny the unknown, then you have nothing to fear. You know, of course, it's silly nonsense, but I think that that's subconsciously, whether they're aware of it or not, that's what these people are doing. It's it's just a coping mechanism to make them feel like they're safe. I can understand that because if you think about it, like if you had an experience with a Bigfoot, uh, then, you know, for the next, let's say three or three or four years, you just go in this big spew of researching, 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 and you finally think you have an understanding of the Bigfoot. And then you start hearing these woo stories and you start getting into the woo. You're like, I, I don't want to believe in that because I barely am able you're to- You're barely co- able to focus on I mean, that. I'm, I, I get it, yeah. Barely cope with my own experience, mm-hmm. which you know I want to believe is physical. Thinking that these things can do all this would absolutely terrify well, And they me. look physical. They I do. mean, yeah. and people will shoot them and sometimes they'll bleed and sometimes they won't. And then sometimes like like there was that story of the guy in Kentucky. I just was, I, I haven't even, I mean, I, I might have told you guys, but I haven't told, I haven't even gotten through it yet. Folks I haven't contacted this guy to get any confirmation on it, but he shot this thing. And when he did, the arm like disappeared. But I don't know if it disappeared or if it just kind of did that cloaking thing. But then what the hell is that? We don't even know. Like We don't know what the heck we're dealing with here, folks. That's I don't know. I guess that's the moral to the story. We don't know what we're dealing with. I mean, um, that's pretty much it. But, folks, that's all the time we have for today or tonight over here at PRT. Thank you for joining us for a Tuesday edition. And uh, hopefully, if you guys are listening to us on any other channel, you'll go and check out our Friday night live stream. We always have a guest. And then, of course, Sunday, where we we tell people stories like we do here, but for a lot longer. All right. Thanks, folks. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. We love you and good night.